Wedgwood Christian Services is a place where hope and healing meet. Join me, Hillary Kirkendall, Wedgwood's Marketing and Communications Coordinator, as I sit down for conversations with the amazing people who work at, learn from, and grow through our grace-filled residential care, counseling services, and community programs. Grab your cup of coffee or tea and enjoy experts sharing their insights on the challenges people are facing and stories of hope, healing, and transformation. These are Wedgwood's Coffee Break Conversations. Mental illnesses tend to lie to you. Sophia Dykstra, therapist at Wedgwood, sits down for a Coffee Break conversation about how mental illness tells us lies and can impact the whole family, how finding the grain of truth can help us fight these lies, and the importance of being a supporting, loving, listening presence, but also not taking on other people's emotions and burdens. I'm thrilled to be sitting down for a Coffee Break conversation with one of our incredible clinicians, Sophia Dykstra. Thanks for joining us, Sophia. Thank you. Uh, so how long have you been with Wedgwood and what do you do here? I am coming up actually on six years Ooh, next month. Nice. So, and I'm a CCM clinician. What is CCM? CCM is uh, intensive home-based therapy, which is just fancy pants where we come to you. Okay. So we meet with kids and families who and adults recently. So kids, families, and adults that are coming out of the hospital or are at risk of going back into the hospital. So the whole goal of the program is to is hospital diversion, really. Mm-hmm. You know, people are generally, it's more comfortable at home. And mm-hmm. it's just nicer. You can sleep in your own bed. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, you know, that's ideal to recover at home. So we help people avoid the hospital or not go back. And it just reduces hospitalization. Great. And CCM stands for Community Care Management. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Um, so you described a little bit about what community care management is, but how does that differ from traditional outpatient therapy? It is different in that with outpatient, you come to the typically you come to the office or get in your Zoom meeting once a week, and you meet for fifty minutes with your therapist, um, and that's good. You can make good progress um, over longer periods of time. And what CCM does is that it's much more intensive, mm-hmm. and you see people in their homes. You know, so I am different in my my natural home environment mm-hmm. than I am. When I go to the office or when I go out in public, like we just have our sort of our public face and our private face. And so Mm -hmm. it's easier to kind of get to the root of some things sometimes. Um, Or, you know, working with kids, like a lot of a lot of families say, you know, these problems just happen at home. You know, they're fine at school. So, you know, it's hard to sometimes to work on their problems when you you just can't see them. Mm -hmm. And that's a challenge for some outpatient clinicians that they just don't get the opportunity to see Mm-hmm. people um in in a less neutral environment mm-hmm. but outpatient is good and sometimes we really need a neutral mm-hmm. environment mm-hmm. so they, they offer different things do you find that the clients that you're working with in community care management are dealing with a lot of similar things yes because we um because we're working with folks who are going to the hospital, the top things that we see are people dealing with thoughts of suicide or suicide attempts, mm-hmm. self-harm, um, thoughts of self-harm. Those are the top, really the top, top things that, that I see most of our, most of our clients are dealing with. Okay. And have you seen some of the needs of people change over the last couple of years, you know, with COVID and all of the things going on? Has that shifted at all? During um, lockdown, it was definitely harder for kids socially and just, I mean, it was hard for all of us socially. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, I, 
suppose I know some I know some introverts that were just introverted homebodies that were loving it, mm-hmm. um, and other people you know were not loving it so much. So for a lot of kids, it was very very challenging with social skills um, or just getting out of the house, mm-hmm. and that's kind of depressing if you're stuck at home. Mm-hmm. Um, but generally, I in my experience, things um, haven't changed too much aside from the lockdown specific things and like the uncertainty of are we going to have class in person or on zoom this week um Mm -hmm. and you know so there's a lot of it there was a lot of uncertainty then Mm -hmm. um but generally what i find is that if a family is um has a good strong stable uh foundation you know we can handle a lot of things that come our way and we can Mm -hmm. just kind of like a deeply rooted tree like it'll wave in the wind but it's not going to go anywhere right right um So the isolation and some of the instability, do you think, added to, like, mental health challenges that people were already having? I think so. I mean, I think it pushed some people kind of over the edge or, I mean, I think in that deep, dark heart of the lockdown, everybody was struggling. Mm -hmm. If you don't have mental health problems, like, we were all on the same struggle bus. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So when you're working with families and kids who are... um, coming out of a mental health crisis or maybe trying to prevent hospitalization from one, what sorts of things are you working on with clients? We do talk a lot about um, kind of separating yourself from the illness. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, teenagers are work with mostly teens okay. um, and their families and, you know, are very identity oriented. Um, and it's really helpful to s- to see, to not over-identify my, with the illness that I have. Um that it's something outside of me. It is not who I am. Mm-hmm. Um, so seeing that, you know, seeing depression try to attack me, seeing anxiety try to attack me, uh, seeing codependency try to attack me, you know, and being able to to separate myself and go, oh, I see, I see how you're trying to get at me. I'm going to say no to that. I'm mm-hmm. going to do this instead. Um, so that that's a lot of what what we do is just what is the illness. How do I fight it? Mm-hmm. And seeing it as something that's that's external. It's, it's not me. Because mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. a lot of people, adults too, you know, we can get over-identified yeah. with those things. And then, you know, you can't recover from something that is your identity. Mm-hmm. If I am depression, I will never not be depressed. They have to be, it has to be something separate mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. we can kind of push away from. Okay. And so what sort of things are you helping the families with? Do you work with the families throughout all of this process as well? Yeah, I do a lot of family therapy. So with families, it's it's similar in that we are, you know, kids don't have the ability to change their environment like adults do. Mm-hmm. You know, if you say, I want to go dye my hair, you go do it. Mm-hmm. You don't have to get a lot of permission. Um, if you say, I want to change how we do our morning routine, you can do it. Um, and kids have so much less control over that, that their their parents and their siblings are their environment, for mm-hmm. better or for worse. Um, so if we can help the family, um, also to see what the illness does, how it tries to, to break apart a family, you know, trauma loves to come in and separate everybody mm-hmm. It tries to tear a family apart. Depression does the same thing. You know, if I'm, you know, depressed and cause of that, I'm just really angry and irritable and I'm in my room on my device all day and mm-hmm. I'm staying away from my family and if everybody gets caught up in that, if depression's attacking everybody, then we got a family that's not spending time together. They're not saying, I love you. They're not laughing. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just one of the many ways that these illnesses will just try to tear people apart. Mm-hmm. And, 
you know, when I'm isolated alone, like that's even more depressing. So Mm -hmm. it just makes it worse. Yeah. Um, So what we do is really try to help kids and families see here's what the illness is. Here's how it's trying to attack me individually. Here's how it's trying to attack my family and tear my family apart. Here's what we're going to do to fight it. Mm -hmm. And then if we're on team family, the whole family can take a united front to fight against the illness, to keep it out of the family, to kick it out. Mm -hmm. Um, And then build up the walls to to make sure when it tries to sneak back in, which it will do, mm-hmm. we can just be like, oh, there it is. I see it come in. Mm-hmm. Like, let's wall it off. Mm-hmm. Um, so we do a lot of that. Mm-hmm. Are there like coping skills that you help kids and the families work on so that when they feel it coming back, they kind of know how to combat it a little? We, I don't know if you'd call it a coping skill, um, but we do a lot of looking at what are the lies Mm, um, mm-hmm. from anxiety, what are the lies from depression? Um, this is a rabbit trail. I could go on for hours about mm-hmm. this, so <laughs> corral me with it. <laughs> um, but we, it's, it's really helpful to look at these lies because there's usually a little, a little grain of truth to the lie. Mm. Um, this is the example that I give is that, you know, depression loves to, to tell these lies. I think it's got probably eight favorite lies. Um, some version of, uh, you're, you're fat and ugly, you're stupid, you're useless. Nobody loves you. No one's going to want to be around you or be with you. Um, you don't remember what it feels like to be happy. Uh, you'll never be happy again. But you don't have to have depression for it to try to attack people. Mm-hmm. Like They're like mosquitoes. Like That's just what they do. They try mm-hmm. to tell that stuff. So if I look at the, uh, the real grain of truth to it, most of the time there's a grain of truth, just a little bit of truth to it. Sometimes it's a 100% lie. Um, but if I if I look at this lie that says uh, Sophia, you are fat and ugly, like that's a that's a harsh lie that frankly most people hear. Like mm-hmm. you don't have to have depression to hear this lie that you're ugly and nobody loves you and you're just disgusting. Like mm-hmm. everybody hears it at some point. So I can go, well, what's the what's the grain of truth to this? I can say, well, you know, I got a little tire right here. Like that's true. That doesn't mean I'm fat and ugly though. You know, mm-hmm. ten. You know, 15, 20 pounds overweight is not the same thing as fat and ugly. There's a world of difference there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I can deal with 15 or 20 pounds overweight. Mm-hmm. I can go, yeah, that's sexy, you know. i got to work on that. Okay. Mm-hmm. And that that's just completely different than this kind mm-hmm. of shameful, crushing thing. That's just genuinely not true. Yeah. Um, so we do a lot of that. We look mm-hmm. at a lot of lies. Um, and these... These guys, you know, anxiety, depression, addiction, codependency, all these guys are, I think of them as like monsters. You know, they're always trying to lie. Mm -hmm. Um, They're very effective liars. Mm -hmm. They're very predictable liars. So some of the things that we do are we're looking for lies, we're looking for the grain of truth. We're also looking to kind of predict the lies ahead of time. Okay. Um, Because I know that if I've got a big presentation at work, I'm going to hear some lies from anxiety. Mm-hmm. It's really predictable. It's going to say, you're going to mess it up. Everyone's going to think you're dumb. Um, you're going to stutter. You're going to um, forget what you're going to say. Your presentation is going to look crap. You're mm-hmm. going to forget it at home. You know, like all these things, but it's very predictable. Sure. Um, so what we do is try to look ahead and see what's, you know, what's it going to be. Mm-hmm. And then is there some figuring out of how to speak some truth in place of that lie instead? Yeah, so looking for the grain of truth um, in those lies. Um, you know, if I hear the lie, th- this happens a lot. This is a really common one. If I hear the lie, nobody loves me. 
Um, you know, and if you're in the thick of depression, you're really getting attacked by that. You hear that a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes what we do is really simple. And then we go, well, if depression says nobody loves me, let's just, let's look for evidence. Like, let's mm-hmm. look for real hard evidence. Mm-hmm. Okay, has anyone ever said that they loved me before? Mm-hmm. Okay, well, my mom said that. And is she a liar? Well, no. Mm-hmm. Okay, so your mom actually, that's one. Okay, so that's one piece of truth. But, I mean, even just making a list, like, and it's, it's, sound, it's, like, it's like stupid simple, you know, mm-hmm. but just genuinely making a list. Who actually loves me? Mm-hmm. Does my neighbor love me? Not really. I mean, he doesn't hate me, but, you know, mm-hmm. we say hi. Right. So that's, that's okay. Mm-hmm. But, you know, my mom, my dad, you know, my, my siblings, God, mm-hmm. um, sometimes it helps just to do that. And it's just a way to, to really look at the truth there yeah, um, and just kind of come through the fog of, of the illness. Mm-hmm. Kind of re retraining your brain to believe mm-hmm. the truth instead of the lie that yeah. depression or anxiety is trying to tell you. Yeah. And, and I think it's really important that we're not, we're not replacing mean lies with pretty lies mm-hmm. um, because we've all been caught up in that like little white lie I tell myself to make myself feel better, but we want actual truth. Mm-hmm. Like what's because in my heart of hearts, I know when I'm lying to myself. Yeah. Um, so we don't want to lie to ourselves cause we don't, you know, that's God. not going to help anything in the long run. Exactly. Mm-hmm. It doesn't actually help God. I think God has designed us for truth, not lies. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah. So we just look at that. How can we as a community with in our family or friend groups support those who are struggling with their mental health and maybe even help prevent a crisis? Mm-hmm. Being a warm, loving presence goes a long way. Mm-hmm. Um, and listening to people, um, not necessarily, not solving problems. Mm-hmm. Um, that's something that God does and God uses people to solve problems. And I think if you have a friend or family member, you know, that's really struggling, being a warm, loving presence, um, listening Mm-hmm. You know, saying kind things. I'm sorry you're going through this. I love you. You're doing a good job keeping keeping your chin up. Mm-hmm. This is hard. Um, and and we've talked about this with this sweater analogy that when you have someone who's dealing with something, it's like it's we can talk about it. Um, so if this is my my emotional sweater, or with kids we talk about our emotional hoodie. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is my emotional hoodie. Um, and it's mine. It's not yours. But mm-hmm. if you're helping me, I'm I'm really down. I'm really worried. Um, we can talk about it. And this is my my feeling down. This is my feeling really worried. But it's mine. It doesn't belong to you. Mm-hmm. But we can talk about it. We can say, oh look, you know, it's it's kind of crocheted. Um, it goes across. It goes up and down. Um, I got a. It broke. It, got, mm-hmm. it broke. It's kind of. It's not so. It's not so great. It's really comfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the end of the day, when we are done talking about my emotions, my emotional sweater, um, I take it home with me. Mm-hmm. And you take your sweater home with you. And you take care of your sweater and I take care of mine and I put it in the mm-hmm. wash and blah, blah, blah. Um, so we can talk about these things that are going on for each of us. Um, but at the end of the day, it doesn't belong to me mm-hmm. or it doesn't belong to you. It belongs to the other person. And I think that's very much where um, where prayer really comes in, mm-hmm. you know, because I want to pray for you and how you handle your emotional hoodie. And I want your prayers for me to handle that, too. Um, and we give that to God and say, God, you know, they need help. You know, they need help. Help me to be a good friend or a good family member. Show me what to say or 
if I need to zip it, you know, show mm-hmm. me show me when to zip it. But th- those are things that I found to be helpful, um, mm-hmm. you know, and we want to keep a, a good, healthy boundary if we're pouring ourselves empty. We're not we're not really helpful mm-hmm. to people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you're carrying everybody else's stuff, you can't be helpful to mm-hmm. those around you. Yes, mm-hmm. yes, very much so. And God has not called us to solve all the problems and be miracle workers. Mm-hmm. Like He hasn't. Um, mm-hmm. We're not perfect, and we're not going to do that. Mm-hmm. But we can be helpful. Um, and I think that's, you know, where our community has come in, you know, if I'm, if someone's struggling, you know, and you've got five different people that offer a little bit of help, that's great, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I can recover with that. Mm-hmm. And if, you know, someone is confiding in you that they're struggling with something and you feel it's too much for you to just listen and mm-hmm. be there for them, how would you recommend someone maybe suggest that they seek help from a professional? Mm-hmm. I think there's some pretty, I mean, there's a lot of resources out there. 988 is a great one. Um, I think that's got a lot of publicity mm-hmm. recently, which is wonderful. Um, there's a lot of local um, local helplines through Network 180. Um, I mean, even if you just do an internet search, you know, mm-hmm. helpline. You know, what do I do? I'm depressed. What do I do? I'm thinking about suicide. Um, and you can call those lines and even just say, hey, I'm calling. I've got a friend or a family member I'm concerned about. Can I just talk to you about it? Do you have any advice for me? Mm-hmm. So it doesn't always have to be that person who's in distress calling, but it can be a family or friend that says, I'm not really sure what to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's an option. Um, we can also, you know, use our loving words to say, hey, listen, I'm I'm concerned about you. Mm-hmm. You know, have you considered seeing a counselor? You know, have you considered calling this crisis line? You know, depression likes to keep people up at night. Mm-hmm. Two in the morning is like depression's favorite time. Yeah. Loves Ugh. that. Um, and who's awake? Like, um, you know, hopefully we're not awake at 2 a.m., mm-hmm. but a crisis line is. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's really helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think just using those kind words, you know, hey, have you considered this? You know, or I'm really worried about you. You know, help me know, like, what are you, what are you doing to take care of this? Mm-hmm. Um, and those can be good things. Or just mm-hmm. say, hey, you know, this is... Can I, can I tell you something that's been helpful for me? Mm-hmm. Or can I tell you something that's been helpful for my mom or for my dad? Yeah. Um, and, you know, sometimes people, you know, really appreciate that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you, you know if someone is just being nosy or condescending, and you know when they're, like, coming from a real place of, like, love mm-hmm. and concern. And mm-hmm. that, that shows through. Mm-hmm. And the love and concern is really what people need in that situation, too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or just a hug. Mm-hmm. It, is, it is amazing. I heard several people recently who just said, I can't believe how isolated I've gotten. And just just bumping into someone at the grocery store was the most meaningful touch I've had in weeks. Mm. I'm like, man, that's a, that's a harsh, like, that's a harsh thing. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a harsh reality. And, and that's, I know she's not the only one who's dealing with that. Mm. Um, so even just a simple hug or, you know, rubbing someone's back or shoulder, like, Mm-hmm. Those those small things really really do go a long way, and it's, yeah. it's very meaningful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is there anything you want to make sure that our listeners and viewers know about mental health and Wedgwood's counseling services? Yes, um, and again, I could talk for so long on this topic, um, <laughs> but I see a lot of folks under, believing the lie from depression or believing the lie from anxiety. That it's going to be forever. Mm-hmm. You will never, one of depression's favorite lies, you'll never be happy again. 
You don't remember what it feels like to be happy. You're going to feel this way forever. That's actually not true. Mm-hmm. It's not true. Um, and most, this is, most, not all, but many, um, many kind of bouts that we have with mental illness are not forever. And some of them are genuinely things that this is something I'm going to live with forever. That That's true. Um, and for most times, many times, it's not. Um, and it doesn't have to be forever. And there's a lot we can do to fight it, even if it is something you have to live with forever. Or a lot of times it'll come back for seasons of life. Mm-hmm. You know, you have a hard season, going through a lot. Depression really is like, ooh, she's in a weak spot right now. Let me... Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I'm down for the count for a while. But it's not going to be forever. Um, and I think that's really, really important to know that we're not... We're not taking that on. I'm not taking depression on as something that's part of me. Mm-hmm. And I'm all wrapped up in it. But it's a, it's a, it's a sweater. I can take it off. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't mean to like minimize it or make it sound like oh, it's really easy. Like it's not. It's definitely mm-hmm. not easy. Um, but it doesn't have to be forever. And we we can recover from it. And whatever illness I'm struggling with is not my identity. Mm-hmm. I might be someone that has diabetes it might be someone that has cancer it might be someone that has uh depression it might be someone that has anxiety but those things are definitely a part of my life but they do not make up the core of who i am mm-hmm. this is not god didn't create depression girl god didn't create cancer man like mm-hmm. that, that's not what he, he made us for um but sometimes we we do believe those lies mm-hmm. um, so i think it's just really important to to know that god's created us as these you know, really unique, beautiful beings. And we do deal with a lot of crap. Mm-hmm. Um, but we can still have a lot of joy, too. Mm-hmm. Amen. Why do you love your job and working here at Wedgwood? I just have a lot of fun with it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Actually, I just think it's really fun. For me, I really feel like this is this is precisely where God has me for today. Mm-hmm. And that's that's a good, it's a good feeling. Um, but I just have a lot of fun with people. Mm-hmm. families and it's really lovely to see them transform you know and you meet someone that's just really crushed by all these lies and then we can come away and go wow actually you know there's this just really lovely healing mm-hmm. um, that happens in a family and and with you know with kids and it's um i don't know you can't make it up like it's it's just really nice to see mm-hmm. and, and i personally just like like visiting people at home and you know, seeing their different lives and their different cultures and how they do things. And um, a specific thing that I really love about my work is that I just get to have all these random experiences, you know, working with families who have chickens. Hmm. And I, I petted a couple different chicken, chickens at different <laughs> homes because that's that's just part of their lives. I'm like, oh, like they're doing me this honor to welcome me in and mm-hmm. I don't think I ever would have been petting chickens otherwise. Yeah, not, not something that's usually part no. of my work day. Yeah, yeah, and so it's just fun. And I, I love doing therapy on sitting on someone's front porch or at the park or at the coffee shop. You mm-hmm. know, a kid that needed to kind of practice being social mm-hmm. and we met at a coffee shop and we just practiced being social there. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was a lot of fun. That's cool. Yeah. It's never boring. I'm sure. (laughs) Especially if there are chickens involved. Yes. How do you see God moving in your work? Um, Just through that transformation. Mm -hmm. Um, And 
sometime actually I just got a text uh, yesterday from a mom oh, I, I, just, I think I saw them maybe last year and she said you know my my kids in school and that's great because she was really struggling with that and mm-hmm. and that's you know things like that can can just be miracles or you know I know I've shared this before but I had a, a sometimes I just get text messages from families afterward or, or messages or cards saying, you know, oh, they graduated, they've got a job, and this is, like, a really big deal. Mm-hmm. And it's so nice to celebrate with them and, and just see that, you know, these things really matter. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. God's healing hand is through it all, you mm-hmm. know, through the meetings at the coffee shop and the met petting of the chicken, yeah. God is there mm-hmm. helping with the healing process. Yes, always, 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 always. I... On good days when I remember, <laughs> go into a session and pray, you know, God, use me as an instrument of mercy. Mm-hmm. And I'm embarrassed to say I don't do it more often, but when I do when I do say that prayer, those sessions tend to go really, really well. Mm-hmm. And I'm saying this out loud, and I'm like, man, you should really pray more often. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> it's, it's a very clear corollary. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so when you've got you know the creator of the universe in your corner, you might as well use him, right? <laughs> I mean, what else am I doing? <laughs> um, is there something that God has made clear to you through your work and your role here at Wedgwood? I guess that healing and miracles are possible, mm-hmm. and that miracles are not always big, grandiose things. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they are small things, like we went to school. Yeah, mm-hmm. and and that is a miracle. Um, sometimes, if it's a, a I see a miracle with a family expressing love and affection for each other. Mm. And that's a miracle because they could never do that before. And, and that's a miracle, and it's such a small thing. Um, and in their lives, it's a really big thing. Mm-hmm. And, and it can really just change the trajectory of a, of a family and of an individual. Um, so small miracles become actually really big miracles. Mm-hmm. So God has really shown me that. That's awesome. Well, Sophia, thank you so much for being a part of the team here at Wedgwood and for all the work that you do to care for kids and families who are going through really hard times. We appreciate all that you do, and thank you for joining us for our Coffee Break conversation today. Thank you. Thank you for letting me ramble about all the all the things with this work. It's so much fun. <laughs> well, you have to love what you do, right? <laughs> I really do. I love Sophia's reminder that one of the main lies mental illness can tell us is that this feeling is forever. But there is hope, there is light, and there is help. Wedgwood offers a variety of counseling services to meet you and your family where you are. Visit our website to learn more and get connected to support today. Wedgwood Christian Services is committed to extending God's love and providing exceptional care and support. Head on over to wedgwood.org. That's W-E-D-G-W-O-O-D dot org to learn more about how you can get connected to services, support Wedgwood's mission, or join our team. Connect with us on social media at Wedgwood CS or send us an email at hello at Wedgwood dot org. We would love to be a part of your story. Until next time, these are Wedgwood's Coffee Break Conversations.